And we'll get back to cornbread and beans here right now. God bless you and you may be seated. We have been uh, speaking on some subjects in the Bible that the Lord has recently impressed me with. And I wanted to share with you. And uh, today I'm going to get back to 1 Corinthians. We've, won we've gone through chapters 10, through chapter 10 in 1 Corinthians. Uh, Corinthians is a very interesting book, especially the 1 Corinthians. Because it probably deals with more problems that that early church had, that is the Corinthian church. And I'm sure God had him put that in there and to deal with these things so it would be passed along to all of us. But what he gave us in the Bible to deal with that early church is passed along to us, how we deal with things today. And the first 10 chapters is a very interesting uh, portion of the scriptures. Today we're going to go into chapter 11. This is a very interesting chapter. In chapter 11, there's two subjects that are covered. I'm only going to cover the first one. And that is the, the order, the, uh, the order of, of life, uh, the authority uh, order of life, and uh, of the home and, and so forth. And uh, also it deals with the hair. It is the hair question that's often brought up. The covering, I'll talk to you about that in detail in a minute here and show you some things on the overhead. And the second part of it deals with communion, how communion is to be conducted and so forth. We'll not get into that today, but we'll get into the first part about the hair thing. And then when you get into chapter uh, 12, it's about the gifts of the Spirit. And I'll be talking to you in a few weeks about the gifts of the Spirit. There's nine spiritual gifts that are mentioned in the Bible. And then chapter 13 is about the love of God. How that the love of God supersedes all things. And then chapter 14 is about prophecy. I will refer to that in a few scriptures also. The 14th chapter deals with the subject of prophecy. And so I'm going to talk to you about that a little bit too. In the sense that in the chapter 11 here it deals with that, uses that word prophecy and so forth. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with us, if you would, to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And I want you to hang on to your bonnets. Amen. Stay with us. Praise God. Everybody say praise the Lord. I am going to read down through verse 16. I'm going to put this overhead. And this is going to be the things that we're going to be looking at today. And First uh, Corinthians chapter 11. We're looking at number 1 here. And that is 1 Corinthians 11, 1 through 16. Three subjects in one. Now look with me. I'm going to read this through and then we'll go back and talk about these different subjects that it brings out. Everybody with me? All right. Verse 1. Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I deliver them to you. So Paul had already talked to them about the order of the church. But in verse 3, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Now, we'll go back, we'll go on down a little further, and I'll come back and we'll talk to you about all of these areas here in scriptures. Every man praying, verse 4, every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, 
dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered dishonoreth her head. For that is even all one as if she were shaven. For if a woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. I'll be explaining that to you a little further on as well. Other scriptures too. Verse 11, nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, that is in birth. But all things of God, God of course is behind everything. Judging yourselves, is it commonly that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach ye that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. And uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about this, this uh, and I'm going to use the overhead here uh, that I'm using here. I'm going to follow this down. And I want you to notice here that the main subject that it starts out with here in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 is the, is the subject of the line or the proper line of authority. Proper line of authority. Now let me say one word here. Everything has to have a line of authority. In government, we have a line of authority. Uh, every state has a line of authority. Uh, there's somebody that we all answer to that's above us. We all know that. In the military, you cannot have a military army without having a line of authority. You know, generals right on down to colonels, lieutenants, whatever, sergeants. You have a line of authority in, in everything. And so it is also with God. He has said in the home there is a line of authority. And there, the man is the head of the house and the woman, and I like what my dad always said to me. He said the man is the head of the house, but the woman is the heart of the home. She's the heart of the home. And uh, he also told me one time, he said, remember this. He said, God did not take the bone out of, the, out of Adam's head to make the woman. Neither did he take the bone out of his foot to make the woman, but he took it out of his side next to his heart to make the woman. So there is a, there is a place for womanhood and a place for manhood. And I'm going to tell you this today, that if they work properly... There is peace and happiness and joy and harmony in the home and even in the world if they will work in harmony. Uh, today there is a, a great move in America and is still going to push womanhood forward. It's not motherhood, it's womanhood. You understand what I'm saying? Because it's not about women having children and their mothers and so forth. It's about women running things and departments and being the head of things and so forth being very much what men have in the past pretty well held offices too so i'm just telling you said there is a trend in that way so when we read the bible here it sounds like it's almost old-fashioned 
And when we read Paul's writings, it sounds almost like that he's really putting women down. Actually, he's not. Uh, when Christianity came into focus and came into existence, I should say, not focus, but into existence uh, it, it, at, the, at the time that it did, uh, uh, Christianity emancipated womanhood. It was the one religion that emancipated womanhood. Uh, under Judaism, uh, women hardly did even go to church. They didn't go to church. It's the men who went to the synagogues and so forth. I think it's uh, pretty much that way today. A man was the head of his house. And uh, he, when he gave his daughter away in marriage uh, to the husband, the husband became the head of that woman, that, that daughter that he had. And now she, he's the head of the house. And she is subject unto him, not unto the father anymore at, at that point. And so this is the way that the balance was that God established and God set up. And whenever Christianity came along, women would also come to the church. There's a place in here that I, if I have time, I want to deal with too, where it says, let the woman keep silence in the church. I'm going to tell you what that's all about. And uh, so there's, there's a lot here to be said. Let me move into this very quickly here. I want you to look, if you would please, in 11.1, be followers of me uh, as I am also of Christ. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I deliver them to you. And then he says in verse 3, he says, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man, the head of Christ is God. This is his, uh, this is the proper line of authority. Now, over in verse 8, if you're turning, if you look in your Bible to verse 8, this is picked up and carried through verse 9 as well. It's sort of substantiated, and it says, For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. He's carrying this, the man is the head of the house. Neither is the man created for the woman, but the woman uh, for the man. And then down in verse 11, Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in Christ. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also the woman, but all things of God. And I think that we have to remember that everything is of the Lord. Everything's of the Lord. In other words, I don't care how the Bible may tell us, and, and, and that Paul may have instructed us how to keep a, some kind of a line of authority in the home. He also said everything's of God. It's God that gives us life. It's God that gives us existence. You know, I thank God for my mom and dad, and they were the greatest parents, I guess, a person could ever have. Honestly, I had the best mother in the world. Honestly. I'm, you feel the same way. I understand. And I had the greatest father in the world, everything like that. But God gave me life. He gave you life. He gave them life, you know. So I'm just trying to say God is the giver, basically, of everything. That's why that we need to always worship God and glorify God and magnify his heaven, his wonderful name. Praise the Lord. Now, I want to move into number two here. If you look on your, uh, if you look on the overhead here, the second subject is that of covering of the head uh, as required by God. Covering of the head one way or the other. And uh, I want you to look at verse three. Now look at this one. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of the Christ is God. Every man having praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. Now, when it says dishonoreth his head, since the, the head of 
the man is Christ, he dishonors Christ by covering his head when he's praying or prophesying. I'll talk to you about prophesying here in just a moment. What is prophesying? I'll give that to you. So he said when they're praying or prophesying, let me just say this today. Every man that goes into the house of God needs to always take his hat off or his, or his cap off. Don't go into the house of God. And I know some people are, some guys are probably ignorant of that. If they ever are, you ushers should always say, you remove your hat if you don't mind, in the house of God. Because you're honoring Jesus Christ to take your hat off. And so we do that because we are honoring him because he is authority over the man. And it goes on to say here, now, the next verse says, But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, it's, it's reversed, uncovered, dishonoreth her head. Her head is the man. Her head is the man. Just as Christ is the head of the man, the man's the head of the woman. So she dishonors her husband if she prays without her head had been covered. Now some of you women will say, Brother Barnes, I don't have anything on my head. Don't worry, relax. We'll get there in a few moments, you know. And some of you have hats. God bless our women that wear hats. It's fine. And, that, and I love them. And, uh, and, and it's one way or the other is fine. That has nothing to do with that. But what I am going to talk to you here about for a moment is the fact that every man praying, prophet, or, praying or prophesying and every woman that's praying or prophesieth. Uh, let me talk to you about this thing about prophesying. Uh, as I mentioned to you for, uh, earlier, uh, prophecy is a very interesting subject. I'm going to uh, have you look at, if you would, uh, Revelations for a moment. Go to Revelations. Uh, let me see if I can. Let me find it here. Revelations 19.10. Let me show you this. Revelations 19.10. And I fell at his feet to worship him, and he said unto me, See thou do it not, I am the, thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that, that, that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Now, first of all, prophecy and speaking prophetically and speaking prophecy is not about us. It's about Jesus. Everything's about Jesus, praise the Lord. When we fit ourselves into it, that's where it gets all messed up. But this is all about Jesus Christ. Prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, there's also a scripture in, uh, in, in I'll refer to that one too, that goes along with the same thought. If you look in chapter 11 of Revelations, I think I was just uh, there in the, I was in Revelation 19. Look at Revelations 11.3. 11.3, this is concerning the two prophets that go back and they prophesy to Israel. Now here's what it says, verse 11.3. And I will give power unto my two witnesses and they shall prophesy a thousand two hundred and three score days, which is three and a half years. Now, what did they prophesy? What did, here's what it is in verse 7. When they shall finish their testimony, the beast that extended out of the bottomless pit shall make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. Now, I'm not going to go into detail on prophecy here, but I just want to say they had a testimony. 
their testimony was Jesus Christ. That will be the prophet. That will be what the two prophets, when they come back, their testimony will be Jesus Christ. That was their testimony. It was Jesus. What they will tell the Jews, Jesus was your Messiah. I can take you to the 14th chapter of Zechariah and show you that where that they will preach to them, Jesus Christ was your Messiah. That's the spirit of, of prophecy, praise the Lord, is that we testify Jesus Christ. In that Old Testament, when they prophesied, they prophesied of the coming of the Messiah. And that was the spirit, praise the Lord, of Jesus Christ that was being manifested through them, that Jesus Christ was coming. Today, in modern time, everything Jesus came, and then he, he went. And he's coming back again. So our testimony is about Jesus Christ. You understand what I'm saying here? I don't think you do. I don't think you understand what I'm saying here. But prophecy is speaking in our own language, speaking our own words, and I'm going to show you that in the scripture in just a moment, speaking what we understand. Now having said all of that, go to the, go to the 14th chapter of, of uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 14. And this is where Paul, he's, talked, he's already talked about the gifts of the Spirit in chapter 12. He's talked about charity, the love of God in chapter 13. So we jump ahead a little bit. In chapter 14, he talks about prophecy being greater than all the spiritual gifts. And the reason is because prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. It was witnessing the Lord. You see, if I have the gift of tongues and the, the gift, and the gift of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of tongues is the one thing. The wonderful baptism of the Holy Ghost upon us when we get saved is the confirmation that we have received the Holy Ghost. There's also devotional tongues. We receive we have tongues, we speak in tongues when we worship God. And I won't get into that, that's in the 12th chapter. And then there is also the gift of tongues. Now, I have tongues, I speak in tongues. Many of you people know that, you know, you do, I do. We speak in tongues when we worship God, it's a wonderful blessing. Uh, it's, called, it's called speaking in the spirit or singing even, in singing in the spirit. I've seen people sing in tongues. And not up on the platform, but I mean in worship and so forth. Uh, but whenever you get into the, uh, the prophecy part, it is speaking in our own language. And what Paul does is say that this prophecy part is very important for the edification of the church. The edification, that is, for the exalting and the lifting up. Now let me read these 14th, this 14th chapter, first verse. Follow after charity, which is the love of God that, we just, that he just got through talking about in the 13th chapter. And desire spiritual gifts, which he talked about in the 12th chapter but rather that you may prophesy. Now some people think that prophecy is, uh, is thus saith the Lord and their eyes roll back in their head and all that, and they, you know. That's not prophecy at all. Prophecy is witnessing, testifying, talking about Jesus. It's talking about the Lord. He is the subject and is lifting up the name of the Lord and is exalting the Lord, praise the Lord. And it's not about me, it's about him always, praise God. And uh, so I'm going to want you to look with, uh, on, the, on the board up here. Uh, 
Let me finish up the, the prophecy part here because it talks about the women prophesying as well as men. I'm going to read this down on through 14.1. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God, for no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. So if you're speaking in tongues, that's wonderful, that's good, that's great. But you're praying within yourself in your own spirit to God. And that's good. When there is a message in tongues, and he says it right in here, then there should also or needs to be an interpretation to that. And God usually always sends an interpretation. If there's never an ter- interpretation, it usually means that the gift of interpretation is not, not being used or not being active, or somebody is sitting on it, they got the gift of interpretation, they don't say anything. But so, let me just move on here, that's, that's another subject altogether. Verse 3, but he that prophesied speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. So if you speak in tongues, not unto men, but unto God, verse 2, for no man understandeth him, howbeit the spirit he speaketh mysteries. In other words, he's speaking to himself. But, verse 4, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Because prophecy is speaking about Jesus and talking about it. It can be testifying, it can be uh, talking, it can be worshiping. It's about Jesus, how great the Lord is. Amen. And it's not something that's weird. It's just, it's just speaking forth in our own language. No more than speaking in tongues is weird, you know. Speaking in tongues is a powerful and wonderful thing. But you could be very still, just move, not even moving, and be speaking in tongues and worshiping God. How many of you know what I'm talking about? All right. And then there, you can also just worship God and talk to him. But you're giving the testimony of Jesus Christ. When you stand even saying and praying, and you're saying this, Jesus, you're the great I am. You're the, you're the heavenly father. You are the one who is behind all things. You created all things. You can give Jesus all praise because Jesus is God manifest in flesh. So through God, we worship Jesus Christ, worship God through Jesus Christ, excuse me. <coughs> Not a separate person, but a separate manifestation or a different manifestation of God. And we worship Jesus. So you can say, Jesus, you're the life giver. You're, you give existence to us. You're the healer. You're the protector. You're, you're our provider. You, you go on and on and on giving God praise. That's the testimony of Jesus. Praise the Lord. So every man that has his head covered, give it back to that line of authority thing about the covering of the head, every man that prays with his head covered dishonoreth God when he's praying or prophesying, prophesying, you know. So likewise the woman if her hair is uncovered. Now we're going to get into that part of it. Let me finish reading this uh, 14th chapter here. It says here, verse 4, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself, but he that prophesieth edifieth the church. Because people can hear what he has to say. Verse 5, I would that ye all spoke with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied. And here's why. For greater is he that prophesied than he that speaketh in tongues, except he interpret. Except there's interpretation. That the church may receive edifying. So it's all about the church being edified. What happened with that Corinthian church is that they received baptism of the Holy Ghost. And tongues became so familiar with them until they would just, they just speak in tongues, speak in tongues, speak in tongues, and everything. And they just, they just got to where they enjoyed it. They just sort of 
they didn't use it. They'd go up to each other and talk to each other in tongues. And they'd talk to the people in tongues. They wouldn't know what it, We had a brother years ago. Uh, Howard Goss was his name. He's dead now. He's an old man when I was a young guy. But he was in the early days of Pentecost. In Houston, Texas, he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and could not speak English for seven days. And they asked him to preach. Uh, you know, after it all settled down, they asked him to preach. He got up to, to preach, and all he could do was talk in tongues. Father <laughs> said, you're not edifying the church. You've got to sit down. We'll get somebody else up to preach, you know. So they tried him the next day. For seven days, he tried to speak in English. He couldn't. He'd speak in tongues. I mean, the Spirit was on him. And uh, he became the general, the first general superintendent of the United Pentecostal Church. But anyhow, I, I just want to tell you here that there's some amazing things that come up. But prophesying is when we speak Jesus Christ to anybody, everybody, or to him. Praise Lord. It's the testimony of Jesus Christ. And folks, we've got to remember that that is first and foremost above everything else, is having a testimony of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. How many of you believe that? Let's lift our hands and praise him. Lord, we love your name. We thank you for your blessings and goodness. We glorify the name of Jesus that's above every name. Lord, bless us each and every one here this morning. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Uh, I'm going to go to number two here on your, on your notes there. And that is the covering of the head. The second subject is that of the covering of the head. As required by God. And it's verses 4 through 7 and 13. So if you'll go... I've got you in 1 Corinthians, go back to, I mean, 1 Corinthians 14, go back to verse chapter 11, and uh, I'm going to read verse 4 again. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. And then verse, uh, verse 7, I'll read 4, 5, and 6, and 7. But every woman, 5, that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head, for that is even one that is shaven. Uh, and then it goes on to say, for if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. Now, there's no place in the Bible here that you say where the woman's hair is cut. The reason this cut is done by knife, shear or shorn is done by this action here. You shear sheep. It's like a scissor action. And so they never cut hair, they sheared hair. So that's it always mentions a woman's hair shorn or sheared, you know, cut. But we call it cut today, but that is why you don't, found, you don't have the word C-U-T in the Bible in that fashion. Because a cut was always like done with a knife or something. And you don't cut hair, you shear it. Every man praying and prophesying have his head covered under his head, but every woman that prayeth and prophesied with her hair, head uncovered, dishonored her head, for it is even all one as if she were shaven. For if a woman be not covered, let her also be shorn if she be... And if it's a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. And he's saying, in essence, it is a shame for a woman to be shaven and shorn. Let me just stop and say one thing here. There are medical circumstances, medical circumstances that arise that God, praise the Lord, understands. And some of us, praise the Lord, some women have to go through some things. And so there's no condemnation to that. Uh, years ago, when I was pastoring in Port St. Joe, Florida, there was a woman there that was a backslider, and she got a brain, brain tumor on the left side of her head up here, or it affected the left side of her body. She was totally paralyzed from head, arms, legs, everything on her left side. She went to Gainesville. They ran all kind of tests at Shane's Hospital, and they told her, says, you have a brain tumor in your 
mind and your brain that's affecting the paralyzation we have to operate and we're going to have to shave your head to be able to get into the brain and to operate she says would you grant me one thing that I can go back home and have the minister of the Pentecostal church there pray for me and they said well they said if you want to but every you know every day that you lose is, is, is lost time and they said I'll tell you what we'll give you seven days you go back and do that and then come back and then we'll do the surgery and I'll tell you the truth I'll tell you the very truth she came back home and she called me and said brother Myers come by I want you to pray for me and I was so busy running around my wife said sister Mrs. Register called again wants you to go by and pray for her and I said okay okay I will I will and then finally I got around by her house and I went up the steps into her house and she's sitting in a wheelchair her left side all 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 paralyzed she's a backslider and she tells me what happened about going to the hospital all then and I said all right we're going to pray for you sister register I just called her sister register everything I laid hands on her and I prayed for her and then I quit praying for her and I just you know everything and I said to her then all of a sudden it came on me the Holy Ghost just came over me and I said to her Mrs. Register will you live for God if God heals you will you serve him and she said oh yes brother Myers she'd get a cry she lifted her she lifted his hand oh yes brother Myers I will I will I promise you I laid hands on her again and I'm telling you folks I felt the presence of God just come down through me through it just I didn't I had my eyes closed and I felt my hand go up my hand was on her head I felt it go up she stood up on her feet she had both hands in the air on her feet out of the wheelchair she hadn't walked for months or weeks I don't know how long it was and this is the truth I bear witness of that I, I, I will tell you the truth I won't lie to you she stood upon her feet and began to dance around in the living room and worship God and worship God and everything and I said I'll see you tonight in church <laughs> I, I left her worshiping God and I went on my way her husband came in like to fell out when he saw she had supper cooked and on the table waiting for him not even in a wheelchair she got in her car that night and drove to church now I'm just trying to tell you here that I know that God is a healer praise the Lord but because she didn't want her head shaven and she wanted to be prayed for at least first I believe God honored that you know so I'm just trying to say here that if we do the best we can do whatever situation we're in I believe that God will honor us in that praise the Lord if we try to keep and she knew it was in the word here so she said I don't want my head shaven until I get prayed for first and then if nothing happens then I'll come back and I'll do whatever the only thing left to do amen let me move on here because I want to deal with something very very urgent here but I want to deal with the cover the covering of the head here for the woman is not covered let her be shorn shaven uh, for the man ought not to cover his head in as much as he is the image of God let me uh, go here to the uh, very important part and that is look down in verse 15 I'm jumping on down here but if a woman have long hair it is a glory to her for her hair is given her for a covering do you, do you see what I'm talking about if a woman have long hair is given her for a covering now let me show you let me show you some uh, things here this is this is all Greek I'll be honest with you 
It's not all Greek. I promise you that too. <laughs> These are words in the Greek for hair. And uh, if you look at that first one, Komeo. Komeo is, is in the Greek language. This is how the New, New Testaments come to us, out of the Greek into the Latin and then into the English and so forth. It means long hair. And this is what this verse is saying right here. When you see, but if a woman have long hair, the reason the word long, you notice long is not in italics. It's not added there by the, that was in the original scriptures. A woman have long hair, and it's, it's long hair in English because in the Greek it was komeo, which meant long hair. And only women had long hair. Men did not have long hair. Because it was a shame for a man to have long hair. So I want you to look at those that first part up there. That is komeo, and that the Greek language here means long hair, and specifically means well-groomed and fixed. It means that as well. A man's hair was never to be komeo. Everybody with me on that? A man's hair was not to be all fancy. And you see all these men that do all that kind of stuff. I won't say no more. That, you know... Like the guys, you know, just everything like that. And a man's not to have long hair. These guys let their hair grow long, long, long. A lot of that's just pure old rebellion against God and the scripture and society and everything, you know. And I guess it got popular back there in the late 90s just for a while. So. But then there's also another word for hair, and that's kome. And kome simply means human hair on the head and applies to men or women under any condition. And so if you're saying long hair, you specifically refer to women because women are the ones with long hair, who had long hair. And the man, praise the Lord, uh, did never had that long, that komeo. Uh, but if you say kome as anybody's hair, and you can say, hey, there's, a, there's, a, there's an oak leaf that fell in your hair, or that's a beautiful flower you have in your hair if you say to a woman, or... Uh, or you might say to a man, did you uh, shampoo your hair today? You know, I mean, I'm just saying, this is how you would use kome, you know. The word kome, it just means hair in general. Now, there's another word. There's another word for hair, and that's this word. And it's thrix. And thrix has a, a little different meaning even yet still. And thrix is a word that uh, means, and I'm going to you're looking at it's in the Greek language it means any kind of hair any kind it could be a goat's hair camel's hair and human hair like and I've got it in quotation here hey there's a hair in my suit do you, do you understand what we're saying here so in the Greek language the word hair comes to us in the word hair but it, it could have meant long hair as a woman has it it could just mean the hair that anybody has the head of hair or it could mean just a hair in your suit. You know what I mean? I'm just using that for an example. Hey, there's a hair in my suit. Hopefully nobody gets a hair in your suit for lunch today. Amen. But anyhow, uh, Jesus said, not one hair of your head shall perish. One hair of your head. And the word is thrix. It comes from the Greek word thrix here. I'm only showing you this so that when you look over here in 1 Corinthians, and you're in chapter, and you're in chapter uh uh, 11 here and you says a woman but if a woman have long hair it's a glory to her for her hair is a covenant speaking of long hair and this is why the long hair has been acceptable and shall I say even taught 
because of the word of God here to our women. Uh, if you have long hair, you don't need a hat. Look at the very next verse. Look at verse 16. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the church of God, of covering the head. It doesn't say cover, but that's what it's referring to. We have no such custom as covering the head. Because in the pagan religions, they did cover the head. Women always had to cover their head with some kind of, some kind of thing on their head. But, G, but Paul was saying, Christianity, the women don't have to cover their head because their hair, their long hair, their, uh, their comeo hair. Comeo, praise the Lord, is their covering. So if women, if you have long hair, and that's why we teach you, don't cut your hair, don't let it be shaven or shorn, you know, shorn, you know, like this. Just let it grow. You see women in our church who've got long hair. Praise the Lord. And they fix it up. And it also means fixed up, you know, too. And, and that's the, the word Comeo does. Because women who have long hair, they would fix it up and so forth. And so if women have that, that is her covering. Therefore, she has a right. You ever, everybody with me? She has a right to pray, come into the presence of God. And she doesn't have to put anything on her head because her hair, her long hair is her covering. Therefore, she can pray and she can. And what he was actually saying is that the women do not have to follow the traditional custom of the pagan faiths and religions and whoever they were, that they had to cover their head because in Christianity, the long hair is their covering. That's all that matters. Everybody still with me? <laughs> all right. God bless you. Uh, I've got just a few minutes here and I'll deal with the one about the angels. You ready for that one? Look at verse uh, 10. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Power on her head. And in other words, she should have a right to fix her hair and fix it up like she wants to and do it. And, and of course, the woman that, the woman that shaves or shorns her hair, she is, uh, she dishonoreth her head, which is her husband. And if the man covers his head when he prays or speaks in church, he dishonors God. So it goes on to say here then, for this cause ought the woman to have power on her head, which is her own head, because of the angels. And what does this all refer to? It refers to the angels who rebelled against God. It becomes an act of rebellion. The woman says, no, I'm going to do like I want to. I'm going to cut my hair off. I'm going to shave my head. You know, and I know some people come to the house of God and they, they come out of the world and I know you're shaved or shorn. And everything like that. Let your hair grow. Let it grow. Whatever, however long they go from the time you get saved, let it grow. And if you will, that becomes an authentic covering that God honors. Don't you want God to answer our prayers? Hey, women, don't we? Don't you want God to answer your prayers? And don't you want to be to witness and testify of the Lord and praise His name? And Lord, receive that praise and feel the Holy Ghost go all through you whenever you worship God. There's a wonderful response from God when we worship him you well know that and so uh, I'll just give you a couple of verses my time is gone now but over in 2nd Peter in the second Peter uh, 2 4 2 4 this is what is about the angels for if God spared not the angels that sinned but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be received in the judgment. Then he goes on to say, then he will also deal with us if we are rebellious. He's talking about the spirit of rebellion here. And uh, he also says the same thing in Jude. 
very much. Jude is that one book that's just before Revelations. And it is a book that's uh, only got one chapter in it. Verse 6. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. And so Jude also speaks of those fallen angels. So when you read over here in 1 Corinthians, it says, because of the angels, in other words, women, don't have a rebellious spirit. Trust the word of God. God will never fail us. He'll always be with you. It even goes on to say that in childbirth, God will be good to women and spare them. In childbirth, if they are faithful to God and do not carry with themselves a rebellious spirit. Well, praise God. Let's stand and worship God. Amen. One other thing. One other thing I did not say. And that is the scripture where it says, let women keep silence in the church. That meant keep things quiet. Kids, <laughs> everything, you know. He said to women, he didn't say keep silent. You hear that? Silent. Keep silence. In other words, maintain a quietness in the house of God that there may be worship and that the word of God may go forth and so forth. And I'll give you some more of that as well as too. But God is good, isn't he? Praise the Lord. God wants all of us to be blessed of him and have all that he has for us. Let's lift our hands and worship God.